Patience. It's not a word you really want to hear, is it? But today, Pastor Daniel will be sharing that patience is a spiritual fruit that's necessary to living righteously. Following Jesus means that you need to submit to his timing to gain the promises he's made to you. Don't let the enemy change your focus to things in the world. Those have no lasting satisfaction and will likely end in disaster. Be patient. Let Jesus bring you into his perfect plan. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Matthew chapter 5 and Galatians chapter 5 as he continues his message, The Beauty of Patience. constantly learning is that I need to keep feeding a holy hunger for the things of God. Because if I don't, I will develop other appetites. And I think all of us understand that, don't we? That's also why the Bible is so clear about we us making sure that we do not awaken certain appetites before their time. There's some appetites that should never be awakened, but our culture offers it. And when we stay hungry for the right things, you realize that whatever you say yes to, you say no to something else, right? Whatever you say no to, you open up the opportunity to say yes to something else. For many of us right now, we have said yes to desires and appetites that actually cause us not to be able to experience all that Jesus is for us. Because we've awakened an appetite that now drives our lives, that actually drives us away from the Lord. And we have to be very, very careful. Because just because our culture allows certain things to be legal or permissible doesn't mean that they are going to bring out the most beautiful parts of our lives. Pornography is a multi-billion dollar industry. But if you awaken the passions and lusts through pornography, it will drive you away from being able to experience who Jesus is. Is it legal in our culture? Sure. Is it spiritually perilous? Absolutely, in the most egregious ways. See, if you're outside of the bounds of marriage, the covenant of marriage, if you awaken the intimacy between a man and a woman, right, that awakening of that desire, God doesn't think that the desire is wrong, it's just not functioning within the authority of Jesus. And when outside of the covenant of marriage, you awaken those desires, it actually deadens your senses to the relationship that God wants to have with you. And then what's amazing is that when you get married, you make that covenant, now all of a sudden you get to experience all those desires under the authority of Jesus as an act of worship. So you have to ask yourself, are you awakening desires that actually you're getting hungry for the wrong things? You should probably mention in our culture where marijuana is legal, it's becoming common, The people of God were never meant to be common. 
You were never meant to be just like everybody else. Sure, it's legal. But it, does that draw you closer to Jesus? It can. Because once you're under the influence of a foreign substance other than the Holy Spirit, your desires are drawing you away. And many of us are know what that's like. And some of you right now are experiencing it. Some of you right now are in that place where you know when I'm saying that, it's not judgment on my part. I'm just telling you what's actually going on in your heart right now. You have awakened some desires and those it's not for the right things. And once you have that desire, now that, that desire, every single day it shows up. And because whatever we desire, we seek to fulfill, we find ourselves little by slow, sometimes with great giant leaps, stepping away from the one thing that will truly Give us what we want. Why? Because next we realize that your desires lead to fulfillment. Your desires lead to fulfillment. Like think about this beatitude that we have here. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be what? Filled. That word filled also means they shall be satisfied. So we have this reality that whatever it is that you desire for, you are going to seek after its fulfillment. But Don't miss that in this beatitude, when we stay hungry for the right things, God promises to satisfy the deepest longings of our heart. See, that's the thing. If your desires are for fleshly things, what the Bible calls carnal things, or temporary earthly things, you will seek to satisfy that desire. But you ever notice that when your thirsts and hungers are for things that are not the right things, you get it, but you never really get it. Right? It's the elusive. There's always the next step. There's always the next thing. It's like you're grasping at the wind. Isn't it true? Like where you get it, you're like, I just want to reach this level of income. And you reach that level. But guess what? It's not enough, right? Because once you get there, you're like, well, there's the next step. There's the next. You're trying to get your business to a certain point and you get it there. You're like, now I'm there. And you're like, oh no, it's, there's the next step to take. And you're constantly grasping and life becomes a life of striving. But what's amazing is, is the things of the world, the things of the flesh, the things that are temporary, you can grasp them, but they never truly satisfy. But when you hunger and thirst for the righteousness that comes from Jesus, then it says you will be filled, not you might be if you're lucky. God promises to satisfy the deepest longings of our souls in Christ. And I think that that's an amazing thing. Have you found your deepest longing satisfied by Jesus? Now, here's the thing. When I say something like that, for some of you who are already followers of Jesus, you say to yourself, actually, I haven't found Jesus to give me all the satisfaction that I desire. And listen, if you're in that place, that's a great piece of self-reflection and awareness. Because what that means is God wants to do a deeper work in you. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you haven't found that peace that comes from knowing God grabbing hold of your life, if you find yourself still striving around, what it means is that God is still doing a work of sanctification in your life. And in a lot of ways, all of us are still on that path, aren't we? We're constantly seeing how Jesus satisfies the deepest longings of our hearts. But then I realize that there's some of you who are hearing this right now. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus and your life has been in a a continual stream of striving for this and achieving or not achieving and not feeling satisfied, not being satisfied. As I always joke, that great English theologian, Mick Jagger, said what? I can't get no satisfaction. I mean, Mick had everything a guy could want. Fame, fortune, 
beautiful people all around. He had a great little dance. I mean, I wish I had my own little dance like Mick, you know. But the reason he could say, I can't get no satisfaction is because even though you can have everything, if it doesn't truly satisfy the deepest longings of your heart, you don't really have everything. And it's amazing. Like we hear these folks who have been super successful and they'll say something like, you know, it's just not enough. And then for people who aren't like uber successful, like I can't believe they would be so crazy to think that way. But you think these things are going to satisfy, but they don't. But when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, God promises that Jesus is more than enough. And our culture strives to tell us that we always need to buy more, have more, be more. And we're all on that hamster wheel of trying to get the next thing. And God says, look, I have everything you need in my son. My son will satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. And then you will see all those things for what they really are, which are temporary. Maybe a comfort, but not essential. Not worth driving your whole life towards. So that you hold all the temporary things of life in open hands. Not as essential but as window dressing to a deeper, more profound, abundant life that has nothing to do with the things that you think you lack because when you have Christ, you have everything. Now listen, brothers and sisters, if you're staying hungry for the right things, the right things is that we all walk out self-sacrificial living. And one of the ways that we live self-sacrificially in love is by serving one another. Jesus said the greatest in his kingdom is the servant of all. Unfortunately for many of us, we have never, even though we want to, we've never taken the step to say, God, you say the greatest in the kingdom is a servant of all and left up to my own devices and our culture. I'm going to think that everything in life lives to serve me. So I'm going to devote time and energy to serve others. I'm going to get out of my own head and I'm going to go and help other people. I'm here to tell you, if you are not serving people, you will never grow in the way that you want to because you have to work out the reality of what it means to be in the kingdom in real time where you live. Listen, we say here that because Jesus is real, we're a family of faith fully engaged. You know why we say fully engaged? Because there's no spare parts in the body of Christ. All of us were recreated in Christ to play an essential function in the body. And if you're here today and you have not yet taken that step, I just want to tell you this. As your brother, as one of your pastors, just take a step of faith. Listen, we all need to find the sweet spot of who God made us to be. And I promise you, if you do, living self-sacrificially is hard. You know why? Because you really want everyone to sacrifice for you. We're all selfish. Right, But when you take that step, all of a sudden you'll start seeing God grow you in all different ways. So now, to put together our beatitude with the fruit of the Spirit, right? we've been seeing, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And then we get, the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. So I would say this, the key to fulfillment is patience. The key to fulfillment is patience. You see what we're doing here. As we put these things together, you say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Make sure that we stay hungry for the right things. And when you are hungry for the things of God, God promises to satisfy the deepest longings of your soul. You will find that fulfillment. And the key to the fulfillment is what? It's patience. Because here's the, isn't it true? 
God has promised to fulfill our deepest longings in Christ, but most of us, we don't like God's timing, do we? God's like, look, I'm going to take care of you. And you're like, well, no, no, I got my own timetable. See, one of the great definitions of long-suffering or patience is the quality of being able to put up with not having what you want. It's the ability to say, I'm going to let my life run on somebody else's timetable. You think of somebody who's impatient, right? Why are they impatient? Because somebody else is running on a different timetable than they are. Like, we got to go. Like, so in my family, my wife is not impatient. I'm just always late. And I admit it. Listen, like Lynn calls it Italian time. I'm on Italian time. If I'm within about 10 minutes, I'm on time. Right? But my wife, she's German. And you, those of you who are German, no, man, you German folks are real, like, lined up. It's like 12 o'clock, you're there at 11.59 or early. It's like you just have that great sense of timing, right? Very specific. And I'm a little bit more all over the place. And so my poor wife, she's like, we have to be there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm coming. I'm coming. I've known we're going there all day. I'm always going to be five, ten minutes late. So in some ways, my wife learns how to be patient because she's trying to get me to be on time. But for me, if I'm within ten minutes, I'm way on time. Right? But for most of us in our spiritual lives, and we have it all through the scriptures, God fulfilling his promises doesn't happen at the right time. I mean, maybe the most classic example of this was God's promise to Abram and Sarai. Remember, God had promised that he was going to bless Abram and he was going to make him a father of nations. And even Abram came to me, he was getting older and he was like, Lord, you have promised that I'm going to have an heir and the inheritor of my estate is my servant. I've never had the son of promise. And the Lord's like, listen, I got this, Abram. And Abram's like, bro, I am way old. He's like, Sarah, she isn't the spring chicken she was when I first met her. We've never had a baby. Again, this was long before the advent of modern medicine. All these ways that older people can have babies now. And so, I mean, and so what did they do? They were not patient with God's timing, were they? See, that's amazing. Sarah comes up with a great plan because, you know, she's a modern woman. She's pragmatic and she's smart. She's like, Abram, I got an idea. Why don't you just take my maidservant, Hagar, and we'll get it done that way. And Abraham's like, okay. (laughs) Now, I don't blame Sarah for it. You know, it takes two to tango. In this case, three. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. You know? And Abram agrees to it. And then they end up with their Ishmael, you know? But of course, God's plan wasn't for Abram and Sarah to figure out how to fulfill God's plan. God's plan was for them to trust him. Because after Ishmael was born, a number of years later, almost a dozen years later, Sarah gets pregnant. And you have Isaac. And literally, so much of not only the Bible, but modern geopolitical Middle Eastern issues stem back to Abram and Sarah's lack of patience. Here's the question. How many times have you created an Ishmael by not trusting in God's timing? I don't know how many times, I don't know how many times, I mean, and this happens for young people or single people, they so much want to get married. They're so excited for it. And then they hit a point where like, I'm going to trust God that God's going to bring me my spouse. I'm going to trust God, he's going to bring the best person. After a while, you're like, I'm not going to trust God anymore, I'm going to find me a spouse. Right? And then they find them a spouse, and then a week later, like, what did I do? 
Because they realized this was a dumb decision. This person is not even close to anything I was looking for. Why? Because the key to fulfillment is to wait. It's to wait upon the Lord. It's to say, God, I realize that I am impatient and I want this thing 20 years ago or two weeks ago or two years ago. I don't want to wait anymore, God, but I am going to slow myself down and get on your timetable. I think that some of you even right now at this moment, you're about to create an Ishmael. And listen, stop. Don't do anything. The key to God doing all that God wants to do is for you to be patient. You to wait. See, that's why in the New King James and the King James, they use the word long-suffering. In the modern translations, we use the word patience. But really, long-suffering is the best definition of patience I can come up with. Patience is you got to suffer for a long time. And in a culture of comfort, which isn't a bad thing, have we lost the art of long-suffering? Have we lost the ability to abide and wait for God to do what he wants to do? Now, in the flow of the Beatitudes and the fruit of the Spirit, even though we're taking them one and one, you realize that there's a flow on each side, don't you? Right? That you have this poverty of spirit, which leads to mourning. Right? And not mourning like it's the morning, but a grief of your heart. And then your mourning leads you to meekness, the strength under control. And your poverty of spirit that leads to grief at our condition, which leads to a strength under control, now leads us to hunger for God to do something fresh, which God promises to fulfill. In the same way, the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit is love. And God's love leads us to joy despite our circumstances. And joy leads us to have this peace. And then peace leads us to patience. Do you see how these things work? It's this beautiful flow. And then as we bring this all together, and I love this, the beauty, my friends, of long-suffering is to trust. See, the ability of God's love to bring us to joy, which brings us to peace, which leads us into long-suffering, you and I can suffer long because we trust God. And my friends, this is what really life boils down to. The quality of your life, not necessarily the days of your life, but the quality of the life that you live is actually found its root in, do you trust God? Because if you trust him, then you can suffer long for him to bring the fulfillment of the right things in your life. But if you don't trust God, it's impossible to be patient, isn't it? Because without a trust in God, there is absolutely no reason to believe that the things that you want to come to pass will. But when you trust him, now all of a sudden you're like, I can wait on the Lord. My soul can wait for him because I have experienced his love. And because of his love, I experience joy despite my circumstances. And I have this peace with God and the peace of God. And God's peace flows through my life into the world. And now I can wait. And I can wait well. And I can wait with perseverance. Now, I love the word trust. Because oftentimes in the Bible, we talk about belief. And belief's a real thing. But belief is a decision of the mind. It's an ascent of the intellect to say, I believe this thing to be true. Like, if I had a a stool right here, I could say, I believe that I could sit on that stool. And that stool is going to hold my weight. 
And that might be true. I might believe that with all my mind, but trust is when I sit and I pick my legs up. See, trust is belief with feet on it. Trust is belief in action. And my friends, the beauty of a heart that suffers long for God's timing is a sweet trust. And it makes me think of one of the most famous Bible verses, Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six, where it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. There's maybe no greater two sentences in the Bible that explains the quality of a beautiful life better than those verses. But if you trust in the Lord with all your heart, then you don't lean on your own understanding. That's patience, isn't it? Patience is saying, I know what I want and I know when I want it, but I trust my Savior, my Lord, my God, and I trust that he will provide in his own time. So we don't lean on our understanding. As we continue to walk in all of our ways, we acknowledge him and we patiently trust that he will direct our steps. He will adjust the way we walk, how we walk, why we walk. And my friends, when one of us, or Lord willing, all of us, and not just the Crossroads family, but all the people of God, when we trust the Lord, that is a beautiful life. Because a life that trusts says, no matter what I see, I'm going to trust what God has said. No matter what the circumstances are, I can trust that God is going to bring beauty out of these ashes. God is going to restore the years that the locusts have eaten. God can redeem my life and my mistakes and bring the most amazing things out of it. And a life that humbly trusts the Lord is a life that when that life is well lived... On the moment we take our last breath, when God takes us home, we would hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Jesus is real. Every person on earth has desires for their life, and you're no exception. This doesn't go against God's word, and it isn't something he asks you to suppress. Instead, as Pastor Daniel shared today, God wants you to desire him and the promises he's made to you. In doing so, you'll be striving for righteous living and the justice only God can provide. You'll also need to be patient and allow God's timing to play out his way. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you You're not a born-again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. 
I want to know that you did it, though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400, and my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Join us again here on Jesus is Real Radio and Pastor Daniel will encourage you to fully embrace the mercy God has granted you as a follower of Jesus. You don't deserve this mercy. As with every human being on earth, you deserve punishment and justice for all the sins you've committed. But Jesus came to die for you anyway. That allowed God's mercy to cover you. And now you can show mercy to others. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Beautiful. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.